We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Everybody, we are live. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Strange twists and turns with the guys over there on the Parkinson Spiegel Show. Afternoons on the score. We're having a Does that energy fun. annoy some teams and some players when teams are more enthusiastic like that? It could, you know. I think sometimes it's uh, there's always the guys that you say you don't like playing against, but you like playing on the same team. But all these guys seem like great guys. They seem like competitors, and I think that's the big thing. So to be able to get to compete with these guys, and you mix that with the crowd energy and the energy of the fans here in Chicago, it seems like a fun mix. That was the man who at the time was the newest Cub. Eric Hosmer, the former Kansas City Royal, former San Diego Padre, where else? He was a couple other places, right? Was he in Boston for 10 minutes? I think so, Hosmer. Been all over the place. Um, but now Hosmer is a cub. And you're thinking, all right, so that's guy who's going to play some first. Okay, but then boom, boom, boom. There's Mancini. There's Trey Mancini, as a matter of fact, is the newest member of the Cubs. What news came out of the convention of consequence? How does the team actually look? Let's talk with the man who was there covering breathlessly. Every single panel, as far as I could tell, or at least the ones I was near, uh, on Saturday, and I assume most of the weekend, he is Sahadev Sharma from The Athletic, who joins us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Sahadev, uh, nice to see you there. You're, you're wandering around backstage as I'm trying to like get fitted for a lavalier mic and an IFB, and I'm like, what's Sahadev doing here? Get away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Trying to do my job here. Stig. Just trying to interview some people and get some information. Jeez. Apologize. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. Um, hey, the vibes were good, babe. Weren't they all weekend long? I, I don't I don't know that the team is as good as the vibes were, but boy, the vibes were good. Why were the vibes so good? Because it hadn't happened in three years? That, is yeah, that- I, I- it's a combination of all of it, right? It's a, it hasn't happened in three years. They're finally spending money again, bringing in some players. And I honestly think this is even, uh, you know, if we had comes convention all these previous uh, years where, where the vibes in the offseason weren't as good, I still think Cubs convention is just positivity, you know, to the nth degree because – I think this is where it starts, especially for me. I, I sometimes even find myself like, okay, got to pull back. It, it isn't all positive. This isn't like the perfect roster with the perfect team and everything's great. Uh, but but the vibes start in Cubs convention and carry over to spring training where that optimism just, uh, you know, it, it's you, you can't find it anywhere else. That's, that's where optimism is. It's spring training. Cubs convention kicks it off and and, uh, you know, then the reality kind of sets in during the season and we'll see where this team is. But 
I think it's fair. I think it's fair to be optimistic after the last couple seasons that Cubs fans have been through. Part of the reason that so many of us love baseball is that that optimism is a necessity um, early on in the year and really for the process of a game where you fail seven times out of ten and you got to be that way. So uh, it, it, you're right. It does come back down to earth slowly and sort of schematically along the way. But let's stay zoomed out for a minute. You and your colleague Patrick Mooney wrote about a plan that has crystallized, um, whether fans like the plan or not. There seems to be a plan. Lay it out for people what you and Patrick had kind of decided was what they're doing, frankly, because that was a battle that was waged conversationally on this show and other places. People saying, I don't, I don't think they have a plan. They do. No, I think, I, I think Jed has really, you know, maybe he doesn't lay it out as in the same way that Theo does. He doesn't use the same flowery words and, and kind of get, get everyone wrapped around his fingers like Theo Epstein does. I mean, Theo was a master at that, right? Sometimes he'd say things and you'd be like, wow, that was amazing. And then you'd go back and listen to the tape and it was like, what? that wasn't that much information. Like he, he really pulled one over on me in that 15 minute conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but Jed, Jed's been pretty clear that he, you know, he's not going to go all in on one offseason. That's never really been his plan. He doesn't like that. He doesn't think that way. But he also doesn't like to sit out. Uh, you know, twenty the following twenty twenty was difficult, right? He, but he did make moves. I mean, you, you may not like trading you Darvish, but that's a move. That's that's something that has a plan towards the the future, and they're trying to figure something out there. Uh, trying to build towards something. And now the last two off-seasons, while last off-season was rushed and it was a little, uh, you know, hectic, it, they did make two significant moves in adding Stroman and Seiya Suzuki. And this off-season, I think it's clear that what they're doing for 2023 is trying to set a floor. You don't want to have the April and May that you had last season. That's unacceptable. You can't have a team like the Cubs out of it by May. I think it was the first week of May where Patrick and I were looking at each other like, okay, I guess we're done covering games and we got to start thinking about the big picture, focus on the trade deadline, and then what the future looks like. That, that can't happen. That can't happen over and over again for a team like the Cubs. It's just this isn't the 80s and 90s anymore. It's just unacceptable, right? We all agree on that. And I think they did a good job with that. Not only did they do something to set the floor up for 2023, but there's a couple moves here with Swanson and Tyon where you can say there's more to, to build around. Here are the players that you can look at in 24 and 25 and hope the prospects come up and more is done in the offseason. So I like what they've done. I, I don't think it's something to be over the moon about, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. And the, the priority is run prevention, be it right. depth of starting pitching. Um, they need some more depth in the bullpen, but there are a lot of arms in the system that they could toy with and play with. And then defensively, man, we, we've talked a lot about Swanson and Horner up the middle. Um, Wisdom is very solid at third. Both of the catchers now uh, fit their prototype, what they have clearly wanted now, to lean on defense. Bellinger is a terrific center fielder. Ian Happ was deeply improved and left was up for a gold glove. Seiya Suzuki could be a very good right fielder. And Eric Hosmer... I mean, I know Mancini's going to play there too, but Hosmer can flat out pick it at first. This ought to be a great defense. Yeah, I expect it to be a really good defensive unit. I mean, I, like primarily up the middle is where it's just, I mean, they're, they're all really great defenders. Gomes and Barnhart behind the plate. You already had pitchers raving about both of those guys uh, when, we, when we talked to them 
uh, during Cubs convention. They, they both just love the how intense they are, how hard they work, the work they put into game planning, studying their pitchers and learning them, and then learning how to make them better. I think that's the type of stuff that when the Cubs talk about the direction they're going with catching, that, that, those are the types of little things that can't be measured in, in statistics, but uh, pitchers and teams really value. And, and you talk to teams that you, you talk to the Cubs and you talk to teams that are winning a lot. And that's, that's kind of the focus with catching right now. And yes, infield, we know the shortstop and second baseman are elite. Cody Bellinger is a great center fielder. I mean, Kyle Hendricks had this big smile on his face when you asked him about, uh, you know, pitching in front of these guys. He may not be out there in April, but once he's healthy and out there, I mean, that that hurts a lot. The the defense that they had out there last year, just in general, what you're seeing, that hurts pitchers like Kyle Hendricks. That really uh, stings a guy like Drew Smiley and Marcus Stroman. These guys aren't striking out 30% of the guys they face, like uh, some of the best pitchers in the game right now. You have to rely on your defense. Uh, this absolutely helps set that floor. Uh, I love the pitching depth because the fact that we're, I'm talking about Kyle Hendricks possibly missing all of April and 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 not being there for for the start of the season. That I mean, think about that. Previous seasons, if I'd have said that, you, you said, okay, well, I guess this is going to be rough. How do they piece it together? What what guys are they going to bring out there that nobody really trusts? That's not the case anymore, and that's that's a weight off Hendricks is back. That's a weight off Ross is back. Like everybody can kind of say like, take your time, Kyle. We, we have depth for the first time in a long time. We don't have to just say, if we lose Kyle Hendricks, there's no chance we can compete. They, they can go out there, let Kyle figure it out. If he's part of the rotation by May, great. That's a bonus. And maybe this team's even stronger than we think, but I, I, I really like the fact that they're building up pitching uh, depth and, and creating something that we really haven't seen, even at the peak, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, wh- where was the where was the deep, deep pitching depth? Uh, it was the fact that those guys stayed healthy uh, in 2016. I, I, I don't want to say it for sure, but didn't didn't all five of those guys make all the starts? Maybe there was one or two because there was the Brian Mattis start in the middle there, so there were a couple <laughs> other starts. But uh, certainly, there the majority of that was was that core five of the starting pitchers that just dominated that season. Well, remember the Brian Mattis start ends yeah. <laughs> with a John Lester squeeze bunt and a Jason Hayward slide. So as yeah. as bad as it was, it was a pretty pretty big game on a Sunday night. All right, so let's talk about Trey Mancini, and we're talking to Sahad of Sharma from the Athletic. Mancini, um, a really good guy. Uh, was a really good player, um, had cancer and survived it, beat it, came back, and is now back and now is here. This is a right-handed bat with some power potential, so that's nice. With he and Hosmer at first base, which is seemingly kind of a finished platoon, what does that mean for Matt Mervis? I was excited to see Matt Mervis with a chance to make this team um, in spring training. Does he still have a chance to make this team at camp? You know, I'd be surprised if he's out with the team out of camp. That probably means an injury or something Something kind of went haywire. I think this is – I understand the excitement for Mervis, and, and it's totally rational, and, and you should be excited about a guy that put up the numbers he did. I think it was, what, 36, 37 home runs across three levels. That doesn't happen very often in the minor leagues. It was an impressive season. Uh, I, I think Cubs fans should be very intrigued by what he has to offer, and he's likely the long-term solution he needs to prove that of course but he, he seems like he has the potential to be the long-term solution there 
but you don't want to put all that pressure on them. I, I think this this just reinforces what I'm saying when I say they're they're trying to create a floor, right? And if you're if you're relying on Matt Mervis to be your power bat, to be your first starting first baseman, then then I think you're you're kind of creating this area where it's like, ooh, I don't know, this guy. Yeah, great season in the minors last year, but you expect him to be that guy in the majors right away. Put all that pressure on him saying, we're competing. You have people coming on your station, right, from the Cubs saying the goal is the playoffs, right? And and then Matt Mervis has that in his head, and he's putting all this pressure on himself. Now there's no pressure. It's go dominate AAA and force the issue. And if Eric Hosmer struggles, you're the first guy we call up. You're the guy that we call up. We're, we're, we, they don't have you know millions of dollars invested in Eric Hosmer. They don't have all this history with him where they have to keep him around. Mm-hmm. If he's not good enough, Matt, uh, Matt Mervis, if he's hitting, if he's proving himself at Iowa, which he did all of last year at multiple levels, then yeah, g- give him a chance. Uh, why not? They have DH and they have the first base spot. Uh, Mancini is part of this roster likely no matter what in 2023. So so there, there's there's a ways to make it work, even if uh, Mervis isn't there to start the season. I, I don't think fans should be disappointed by the by this. I think it just creates more depth, and it's a, it's a really good situation. It, it's the same thing with you know name any of these kids, whether it's Nelson Velasquez or or Hayden Wisniewski. They may not be on the major league team to start the season. That is a good thing because now you have quality depth that you can say uh, these guys have come up already. When, when I'm talking about Velasquez or yeah. Wesneski or Javier Assad, they've come up already. We, we have some experience here. If we have to call upon them, this it isn't like the bright lights of uh, of the summer. Oh, they're in a pennant race. What are they going to do? How are these guys going to handle it? Hey, they, they've they've been in the major leagues already. Now now you're actually on a winning team. Go out there and, and do it. Let, let's see what you have. I hear you. I, I hear it. It makes all the sense in the world. I just. I have such a good feeling about Mervis from all the at-bats that I was able to watch along the way from the way he's talked about it. You know who his guy is. The prototype is Jordan Alvarez. And, like, he tries to be that quiet at the plate and have such little going on, and then the swing is is, is so powerful. I just, I just wonder if he has figured it out. And, obviously, big league pitching is a different animal, so we'll see. Six home— I, I just want to say, if he's, yeah. if he's Jordan Alvarez, yeah. don't, don't worry about finding an impact bat in the future. <laughs> There's that. He'll, he'll force his well, way. And if that's who he is, then, then they're good. All right. Well, well, what I'm saying, six homers in 40, 50 at-bats. Six homers in 50 at-bats in spring training. Does he make the team? I, I don't think so. Oh. I think that that's part of what they've kind of laid out to him, that don't don't put pressure on yourself to be this monster in spring training. Yeah. That's not what's going to decide this. They, they've made the moves. They've, you know, if he's the best, uh, if they decide that he's the best fit for uh, another like bench DH, like they kind of uh, move things around with yes. that trio of Hosmer, Mancini, and Mervis, hey, maybe, maybe that makes sense. And maybe there's injuries too, right? Where it just you need to, where it makes sense, and and he looks good. But I really don't think they want to put that pressure on him. That that's that's part of what they're they're trying to do here. Is I I I would be shocked if he's if we don't see him mm-hmm. in 2023, and probably for a decent chunk of it. But I, I, you know, I like a lot of what they're doing this year is making sure they don't put pressure on a lot of these kids that haven't come up yet. Yeah. And then when they do come up, hopefully it's on a team that's doing well and they can supplement the team. They're not 
they're not Chris Bryant and and Javier Baez and and those guys that came up where everything was on them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're not those guys, and they they don't have they they don't have the you know the they're not looked at as that either as that type of talent. So so don't put that pressure on them. I think it should. I I kind of like the way it's working out. Hopefully. That, that does take the pressure off, and when someone like Mervis or Brennan Davis comes up, yeah. they're calm and, and they're chill, and they just go up there and play their best game, and, and they prove it. Uh, we got word that Nick Madrigal has been taking some reps at third base. Um, is, he, is he guaranteed a roster spot on this team? I wouldn't say he's guaranteed a roster spot. I will say that um, if you had my face, uh, if you had a picture of my face when Jed Hoyer said that, uh, you'd probably make a meme out of it because I was really surprised by that. I'm not sure if he has the arm for third base. Maybe he can prove me wrong. I've been wrong plenty of times. He doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah, I'd be surprised if somehow he can stick at third base. Uh, that's yeah, an indication that. that that's an indication of uh, of he's a backup and would have to be a utility guy to make this team. Right. I think what they're saying is they need to f- figure out what they can do with him and how they can get him playing time. Otherwise, guess what? This guy has options. And that's another way to build value is send him to triple A. If he's raking at triple A for April and May and they still don't have a spot for him, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hey, there's a there's a trade candidate. You know, I, I don't know how he fits into this roster right now. It's January, whatever, 16th, 17th, whatever it is right now. We, we don't need to uh, worry too much about that. Maybe something happens where he fits into the roster to start the season. I I struggle to find where he fits. Uh, part of what they've talked about is they kind of like uh, having versatility. That's why Jed said that. He's like, we, we want our infielders to be versatile and play all over. They have a lot of guys that can do that. I mean, most of their non-first base type infielders can play multiple positions. Yep. Even Patrick Wisdom showed us that. He can go in the outfield and, and give you even you know quality innings in certain spots. So I think, I think that's going to be interesting. Let's see what happens with Nick Madrigal. I don't want to label him as a bust just yet. I, I know fans are ready to. They're, they're probably moved past him. I, I, I want to see what, what can happen with a full offseason, him healthy, He's no, I mean, he, he can hit. I, I know we've seen him hit with the White Sox when he was healthy. I think my biggest question is, does he have the body type that can stay healthy? I, I just don't know. That, that seems like a, the biggest question to me. It's not whether he's capable of performing when he is healthy. It's just mm. being healthy. You know, David Ross um, has flat out said the flexibility of Christopher Morrell makes him kind of a super utility. They love that guy who can play center field, let alone uh, middle infield, uh, let alone third where he does have to improve. Um, all right, let me ask you this, Sahad. The Cubs could compete for this division if blank plays up to expectations. Who do they need to be the very best he could possibly be for this team to compete for the division? If, it's, if I'm just picking one guy and saying, like, you know, someone that I'm not already confident in, in being at least, like, a slightly above average, I'd say if Bellinger is, like, not just above average, but, you know, well above average. Not, I'm not saying 2019 MVP superstar. Go look at those numbers. That's special, right? But I'm talking about even the type of – 
you know, like a 120, 130 weight around straight plus. A very, that's a very good player, right? That's about like, I think, you know, like Vlad Jr. put up a 130 weight around straight plus last year. So that's, that's a very, very good offensive player. I don't know if he does that. I mean, that's, that's going to help them a lot because I don't think they're expecting that. They're not relying on that. They mm-hmm. love that. But he kind of was the talk of when, when you brought that up to other players, you know, like where, where are you going to get this offense from? Where's the, you know, how are you, who's going to surprise on this offense or whatever the question may have been that unprompted Cody Bellinger's name would come up a lot. The players believe in him. I think the players have seen him be a superstar before. So I think there's this feeling that, Hey, this guy is out of LA where, listen, I'm not saying anything negative about the way LA does things there. That's an amazing organization and every team should strive to be like that. Yeah. But the reality is there was a huge microscope on microscope on what's wrong with Cody Bellinger there. And everything was analyzed and overanalyzed. And, and that could be to Cody's detriment, right? Not that, not that the Dodgers did anything wrong, just that Cody couldn't maybe like, he didn't have a time to relax and just be like, I need to be myself and go out there and hit. And he wasn't fully healthy for a while. So there, all these little things kind of culminated in him being in him struggling. If he's fully healthy, if he's mentally right and just can go out there and say like, okay, there were some things wrong mechanically. I'm going to tweak these and be better about that, but not over overthink it and look at every little number and every little thing that says, well, this is off and that's off. Just fix a few flaws feel right at the plate, make sure my shoulder's right, make sure my lower half is right, and go out there and play and be the player that I know I can be. I, I, I'm I, not going to say that that's definitely happening because I need to see it, Yeah. but that would be huge for them. I think that completely changes the outlook, and, and that's kind of where you go from, yeah, I could see this team being, you know, 85 wins to like, wow, maybe they win 90 games and can compete for this division against a really talented St. Louis squad. Sahadev, I I will always think about this that was pointed out by Tom Verducci in an article about how the shift um, restrictions may or may not change the game. Bellinger is one of those guys. His ground ball hits in the first four seasons of his career, he averaged almost 38 ground ball hits per year. The last two seasons, 18.5. His his average launch angle, the first four seasons of his career, 17.1 degrees. His average launch angle the past two, 21 degrees. That That is a guy who changed and tried to hit it over the shifts to massive detriment. I don't know if that's easy, easy enough to fix, and it's obviously not the only thing, but um, I'll be fascinated to see what the Cubs do with that kind of information. All right, one more thing. Um, it, 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 the Cubs will contend for the division if this pitcher – is this pitcher blank? Which pitcher pitches up to his possibility and potential? Again, there's I, I, I could go in a number of directions. I'm going to go with Justin Steele. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was healthy before that, I, I really wish he had that final month of the season just to kind of uh, put up better numbers and make people like have that stick in people's memory. But I mean, he was great. He was really underrated. I don't think nationally he got the recognition that he deserved. He was on a bad team, so I understand it, but. I think he was just about like just starting to scratch the surface surface of figuring out who he is as a pitcher. He was really learning how to use his stuff. Uh, we, we, uh, he was gaining confidence too. That's the other aspect of it where he went from, he wasn't doubting himself. I'll never forget. He talked about, there was a game where he something, you know, that he was getting into a difficult situation and he kind of, the, I think Jan Gomes came and, and talked to him 
Uh, he stepped off the mound. He was kind of at the back of the mound and looking at Ross, like almost expecting him to come pull him. And Ross just kind of <laughs> stared him down like, go, go pitch. What are you looking at me for type thing? And that, that was, I think was something that Steele needed to get past. Like, stop doubting yourself. Stop thinking the, the, the uh, manager is going to come out and get you in a difficult situation. This is your game. Go do it. He's talked about that. He doesn't second-guess himself anymore. He doesn't wait for disaster to happen. I, I think that's a big step for young pitchers especially. Just go out there and pitch. Trust your stuff. He's got great stuff. Uh, it's better than, than it once was, uh, too. So I, I, I like him. I, I hope he's healthy, and I hope he can build off what was a really strong uh, 2022. Sahadev, thanks for the time this afternoon, and uh, thanks for understanding as I uh, blew by you dealing with my IFB and my microphone like the big shot I was for an hour and a half. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for having me. Sahadev, thank you, man. Appreciate it. That's Sahadev Sharma from The Athletic here on 670 The Score. A couple minutes to take your phone calls. Cubs fans, you hear that? You've been thinking about stuff with the convention? Are you feeling this Cubs optimism that seemed kind of pervasive this weekend. I want to know if you're feeling it or not. 312-644-6767 is the number. Hop on in. Speak solo on Parkinson Spiegel here on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Good vibes, Ben. Afternoons on The Score. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what we had. 2020, when I first took this job, yep. there was just tons of expectations from a group that it was proven and... That was just a weird year, though. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. That was, uh, I don't know, I don't even know how to describe 2020, to be honest with you. But um, I think the before, when things started and, and when we opened in spring training in 2020, though, the expectations, we had the Bryants, the yep. Rizzos, the Schwabers. I mean, we had the Lesters, the Horses. And, um, you know, it's nice to have that. It's nice to have um, uh, an energy, a sense of, uh, determination, the way these guys are working already, the reports you get, the things you hear, uh, seeing these guys at this convention is always fun. If not, you don't get to connect with them. So just talking, seeing them face-to-face, um, asking about their off-season, uh, starting to go through just how spring training is going to look, all the fun stuff that uh, we talk about when things get going. But uh, it's really nice to be here, and, and, it, and I think everybody's starting to get really excited about the season. 
That's David Ross, who lives in a place of positivity. David Ross, who is excited to have a feeling of positivity going on right now. And I wonder if you guys are feeling it all the same. It was everywhere at the Cubs convention. I had a good time being over there on Saturday after a couple of days of not feeling well. And frankly, Saturday still didn't feel that well, but had an obligation to be uh, part of a panel over there, so wanted to uh, carry that through. I'm sure that my boys tomorrow, when Parkinson Spiegel returns in earnest with uh, both Danny and I and with Shane and Tanny, I'm sure they'll uh, have thoughts on me making the panel over the weekend and not making the radio show on Thursday and Friday. But the, the positivity is always there at the convention. It hasn't been there in three years, and now there's a big pile of new players who are all there and excited about it. And the vibes, babe, were good. And I'm wondering if you, the Cub fan, is feeling them as well. Got a couple minutes. Take your calls if you want it. 312-644-6767. Some texts have come in. Here's one. I'm a big pessimistic Cubs fan, but I'm actually semi-pleased with the moves this offseason. Mancini, Swanson, Tyon, Bellinger. These are real MLB players and real names. I can respect it. Uh, And here's another. Who do the Cardinals have to pitch? Nobody. Nobody. Well, they've got some, but they have, they have some troubles. They definitely have uh, some troubles. It's going to be interesting. Cardinals always seem to find a way. The Brewers have those great pitchers at the top of the roster, but they've done some very, very questionable things in terms of their offensive core, their lineup core, and giving up on uh, Josh Hader and getting back what they got back. Their direction has been confusing and dispiriting to their own roster, seeming like a uh, a small market bunch in a lot of ways. And that's it, because you're not worried about the Reds. You're not worried about the Pirates. So it's really just the Brewers and the Cardinals. There is an honesty out there amongst Jed Hoyer and other Cubs executives that the way in the playoffs – is much more likely the division than it is the wild card. Because look around at the way that teams are spending in the National League and where some real good teams were to begin with. You had, what, a 100-win wild card team out of the National League East? Uh, And you had another wild card team below that in the Phillies who then go out and add Trey Turner to that mix. You got the Padres chasing the Dodgers relentlessly out west. So more than likely, wildcard teams are going to come from the west and the east. Very doubtful that a wildcard team comes from the central. But I think there's reason for optimism. I think there's reason for hitting the ground running and hitting spring training, feeling like, you know what? Why not? Why not? You know, like your totals, your your Vegas totals, I bet, are going to be 82 wins, something like that. Maybe 81 wins, 80 wins, somewhere in there. And teams always, there are always certain teams that exceed that kind of thing. There's always a couple of teams that surprise and win a good 8 to 10 more games than a total right there around the middling. It does, it does absolutely happen. So... Should be uh, should be fun. Should be fun to hit a baseball season on that side of town with some positivity and with some open mindedness towards the possibilities. It is Spiegel solo here with you on six seventy. The score, Parkins and Spiegel is the show. Look, an absolute legend 
in obvious decline, had an absolutely terrible night on Saturday. Just a, just a horrendous, horrendous night. And I have a theory as to the main reason why, or one of the reasons why. We'll get into it next on The Score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. The afternoon show, the police of 670, The Score. Afternoons on The Score. Jacksonville was down 27 to nothing. And here we go. Man. Matisic, the snapper. Cook, the holder. Patterson sweeps the leg. 36-yard attempt. It is good! <laughs> Jacksonville wins it! The Jaguars down 27 points come from behind. The roar of the Jaguars is real. 31 to 30, the final. That, the call from Westwood One, when the Jaguars came back and beat the Chargers on Saturday night. It's Spiegs with you here. Parkins and Spiegel on the score. Man, what a great, crazy NFL wildcard weekend. Unbelievable. The super wildcard weekend with the six games. There's one more game to get to tonight. Dallas and Tampa, which we'll talk about a little bit. In the 5 o'clock hour. But that's Saturday game, man. Um, I must confess that I did not watch the bulk of that game. I was out to birthday dinner with my wife. But I heard and read the pervasive criticism for one Al Michaels, who I've been critical of all year long as he has had such disdain for the Thursday night Amazon primetime, Amazon Prime uh, football schedule. And then I went back and watched the second half of that game on Sunday morning. And that man's energy was really, really low. And it was rough, as a lot of people commented on in real time Saturday night. A lot of people tweeting about it. This is an exciting game. And at the very, very least, you don't have to be Gus Johnson. Not everybody has to be Gus Johnson. But hot damn, you're doing an NFL game. You're doing a playoff game, let alone an exciting comeback. Can you please have it feel like you want to be there? Please have it feel like you're interested in the great opportunity you have to be there for the game. As opposed to what the vibe has been for Michaels, which is that the game better live up to his standards. And you know that's been the vibe all season long on Thursday night. We on this show have played myriad examples of him on a Thursday night ripping the quality of the game. And a lot of people like that. I think it sounds really bad and really cheesy and really crass and really demeaning to your audience who's actually watching the game and hoping to be entertained. Um, and you know, that on that stuff, you could go either way, but here we are in a playoff game and he's on NBC and he's with Tony Dungy, who importantly has a very quiet laid back style as well. So you don't really have a blend. You don't have somebody excitable next to Michael, somebody who is excited to be there. You've got two guys of similar style, but if you missed it, okay. If you missed it, here's Michaels and Dungy in a couple of key moments from the game. Here's Al Michaels' call of the game-winning field goal. 
And this would be the third largest. And create one long transcontinental flight home for the Chargers. Meanwhile, Jacksonville can set their sights likely on Kansas City. Here we go for the win. Got it, but there's a flag down. There's a flag down as everybody's running out onto the field, but there's a penalty marker. And they call it on the defense. Unbelievable. Uh, that, it, that is unbelievable. Boots them into the divisional round. Ho-hum. Ho-hum. It's just Al doing his standard, very solid patter. Now, look, Al used to be the best. Al is one of the greatest of all time. It's the Miracle on Ice guy. Oh, and more than that, just as a football guy, he's been the voice of, of my generation. You know, and, and he's been the best, was the best for a long time. It's no longer the case, and we all know this, but it was a very sleepy and low-energy broadcast. Um, here is a moment earlier when the Chargers fail to get a third and 13 conversion, which sets up the Jaguars with a chance to have a game-winning drive. So that's the thing. If you're actually watching the game, the entire second half, there are huge moments where the Chargers are not converting where the Jaguars are converting. Earlier, there's the Jaguars' long pass for a touchdown to cut it to 10 points. And he's like, oh, yeah. Pick- I thought that one was okay. I did not. I thought he's- Maybe pick- I'm thinking of the Christian Kirk one then. Yeah, maybe the Kirk was okay. The long one to Zay Jones, he was like, well, they picked a good time to run that play. Okay, great. Thanks, And you, Al. at that point, it's still a 10-point game. No, eh? man, you're within 10. This is a ball game. I, how, yeah, how yeah about, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm how, with you. How about when the Chargers dude misses the field goal? So it's not just 13. It's only 10. That means your touchdown and field goal. Come on, Al. We're starting to get into it. We're thinking this might be possible. And he's like, it's just the uh, second field goal he's missed all year. It's like, no, no. Tell me why it matters. Sell it to me, Al. Here's the, here's the Chargers failing on third and 13, which sets up the Jags with an opportunity. Four minutes to go. Herbert throws, and it is juggled and caught, but stopped well short of the first down. Now here's the thing. If you isolated that play in a moment and you didn't know the situation, where would you think that play happened in the game? Second quarter. Yeah. That's four, right? fourth quarter, four minutes to go. And to set to set up the Jags with a chance. Play it again. Play it again. That's crazy. There's nothing there. Ah, oh, man. Four minutes to go. Herbert throws and it is juggled and caught, but stopped well short of the first down. That's regular season first quarter Look, field conversion. I have a theory. I have a very. I have a big factor as to why Al is struggling so much. You hear it on every single play. He's having a very hard time identifying the receivers. This has happened all year. And you hear him pausing, buying time, as he did right there. He'll talk about, and he hits his man, and that man is Joshua Kelly, like whatever. He's pausing, buying time as he struggles to ID the man with the ball. He knows it's important, but for whatever reason, he just can't do it for some reason. Once you realize he's doing this, you won't unhear it because it's every single play, and it's usually not until well after the play is done when there's a tackle and the guy gets up and turns around and Al can see it. 
Um, here he is, Gerald Everett. This is what? This is third quarter. And Gerald Everett, number seven, the tight end. And how dare these guys use their wacky single-digit numbers. This is Gerald Everett making a catch for the Chargers. Four and a half to go in the quarter. Flip it out here with some blocking two. And once again, big number seven rumbling to the 31-yard line. Gerald Everett, who's really picked it up tonight. That is about nine seconds, maybe not nine seconds. That's a lot of seconds after Gerald Everett has caught the ball that he's telling you Gerald Everett has the ball. It's every single play. And at that point, shouldn't you know that seven is Gerald Everett? I, something's going on here. Either, either A, Michaels is not studying the rosters as he used to, and his disdain for the matchups in the regular season makes that somewhat believable. His established presence as a man up top. But this is the freaking playoffs, man. So it's either he's not studying the rosters and knowing it cold like he needs to, or he can't see the number. He can't see the number and identify it. Something is off, whether it's the quickness and the facility of his brain. That's not where it once was as the man is 78. I don't know. But I'm telling you, play after play, he sounds like a guy trying to survive identifying players with some fear and it's dominating his thoughts because he knows how important it is to tell you who has made the catch. He knows how important it is to tell you which player is making a tackle, but he's struggling for it and he sounds his usual solid, consistent self as he's struggling for it. It, it But it doesn't allow for energy. It doesn't allow for context. Can you grab the Mike Tirico call of the fumble return for a touchdown again? I, I, I'm telling you, there's like there, there's a quickness with which Tirico identifies everybody. And the very good broadcasters identify everybody. And then the best know something about the player to then tell you about the player and add to that. And then they can just be legitimate, excited to make the call and talk about it. Listen to Tirico on the game-changing play last night for the Bengals. Right around Hundley, he reaches, oh, that ball's out, that's live! Back the other way, Sam Hubbard! The Cincinnati kid! Hubbard's got a convoy! Chased by Andrews! At the 30, the 20, he will score! Now, I have in the past been... Um, ho-hum on Tariko. I have grown to really, really like Tariko. There is an energy. There's an excitement because he's happy to be there. He's super psyched to be there. There, very quickly, he identifies the defensive lineman Hubbard as having the ball. Like, instantly. Could have been Trey Hendrickson, another white defensive lineman for the Bengals. It could have been a, a, any number of people. But he's very quickly, he has it Hubbard. And he says the Cincinnati kid, he knows that about him. So it's just like memorizing the freaking rosters. I don't know if Al's not memorizing the rosters or if his spotter isn't really helping him do the work that he needs to. It's And there rough. is something, I think, to having a good spotter. I know Jeff Joniak always gives a ton of credit to his spotter. I know. Right? Yes. So like, there is something to that. But this is just... It's a matter of some time. I had a broadcasting professor that always told me, you got to sell the cheese. Sell the cheese, Adam, right? Mm-hmm. Al Michaels isn't selling it to me. No. He doesn't make me want to be there. No. So, so you've got the excitement level that's not there. You've got the passion that's not there. And you've got a difficulty in identifying the players and spotting the players. And I know that there are people that do that job for him, the spotter's job. 
I don't know if he's got a different spotter now with Amazon, but he's back with NBC and he's had his guy Fred Goodelli, who has been his guy forever. Fred Goodelli, the producer, that was his last game last night. He used to do Monday Night Football. Then he invented Sunday Night Football in the very first broadcast with Al and with Madden, John Madden, way back in the day. And now he's been with Al at Amazon. So, look, Al Michaels told the New York Post, I must have gotten 100 texts from folks who were very happy to see me back on NBC. I read some comments that we didn't sound excited enough. That's internet compost. You know me as well as anyone, he said to Andrew Marchand of the New York Post. No screaming, no yelling, no hollering. It's television. Ellipses and captions are sufficient when pictures tell the story. I get you, Al, but it's the freaking playoffs. Could you make it seem like you actually love it and want to be there? And by the way, you had an epic comeback and you undersold it terribly. Rough, rough night for a legend. 670, the score is where you are. It's Matt Spiegel here. Speak solo on Parkins and Spiegel. Let's check in out of town with two of the most interesting games from over the weekend. Minnesota later in the hour. San Francisco to start the hour. As we talk NFL playoffs, Will Purdue in one hour on the Bulls on Parkinson Spiegel on the score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.